Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Nick and Jake. Welcome back to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Facebook's Async Display Kit with Rene Cachot. Now, I've got to admit that I am somewhat excited about this because I watched Rene give a stellar presentation on Async Display Kit in R- at RW DevCon back in February, and I've been really keen to learn more about it ever since. And I'm also really stoked that we've finally been able to get Rene on the show because we did try to get him on last season to talk about Async Display Kit, but unfortunately he had to knock us back because of other commitments. Um, and one thing that I did want to mention just before sort of Jake and I get into the chatting about this this episode's topic is that quite a few of you have emailed in um, to let us know that there is an issue with our artwork missing in Overcast, Marco Arment's podcast player. Now, we are aware of this issue and it seems to have taken place when we changed the artwork for this season. Um just to let you know that we, like we say, we are aware of it and I have reached out to Marco a couple of times to try and get this resolved. Hopefully that will be done soon um, and I'll keep you posted for any of you that do listen to the podcast using Overcast. So with that out of the way, did you happen to catch Renee's session at RW DevCon, Jake? Yeah, I did. It was one of the better sessions in my opinion. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It was also uh, unique in the sense that it was split between Scott and Rene. So Rene did the kind of hands-on practical part and Scott did a bit of the theory. Um, Scott's the chap. He works at Instagram, uh, but has also worked on a sync display kit. So that w- that was unusual, but it was really uh, a really good session, really well presented. And I kind of left that session thinking about the content the most out of all the sessions that I attended, if that makes sense. It was something really struck a chord um, with what was being presented. And that's why, like I say, I'm really excited to get Rene on finally to talk about this because I really do want to learn more. I, I found it really interesting. I had heard of it and then I knew kind of what it what it was for. But after they kind of explained the architecture and, and where exactly it finds the efficiencies and the and the how it how it does what it does, I was pretty impressed. It's one of those things where I walked out thinking to myself, "Is this something that we're going to see um, eventually adopted into Apple's frameworks? Maybe not exactly the same thing, but basically some kind of asynchronous the, the efficiencies and the advantages." inherent ASIC display kit, it makes me wonder if, if we'll see Apple, obviously not in iOS 9, or we'd already know about it, but in iOS 10, perhaps, um, adopting some of the same ideas and technologies. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. I think perhaps maybe before we get any further, we should explain a little bit. I don't want to go into it too much, because I think Rene will do a much better job at doing justice than I will. But I do think we should give a, a brief overview of what it is, just in case anybody's not heard of it. It basically allows you to render, or from what I understand, it allows you to render your UI on a background thread. That might be technically incorrect or extremely high level. Uh, and like I said, I'll let Rene probably tear that apart when we bring him into the conversation. But obviously this frees up your main thread, which is where historically a lot of the bottlenecks and things like dropping frames and that kind of thing happens and can result in poor performance. Uh, the other thing is, I think Display Kit is incredibly battle-tested because it's lifted straight out of Facebook's paper, which, if anybody's used, uh, is an incredibly fluid and responsive app and something that scales really well. If you think about the amount of content 
that um, Facebook pushed through it. I think I think you make a really good point there, Jake, that, that perhaps this is something that, that Apple should be looking into. And UIKit over the last, well, probably since its um, introduction, really, it's starting to feel a little bit stale, which I know when we had Mike Daly on talking about OSX, he felt the same about, um, I can't remember what the desktop equivalent's called, but he, he felt like AppKit, App App that's that it, you're... yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'd, I'd sort of staled over the last couple of years and stalled in terms of development. So do you really think this perhaps, especially if it gets wide adoption, do you think something that would make Apple sort of sit up and take notice? I would think so. I feel like we see this where somebody comes out with something, some open source framework, and then we see it adopted into the Apple's frameworks. I mean, one example of that, a simple example, granted, is the pull to refresh control. Wasn't it, it the Twitter app that first had the pull to refresh? Well, it was Tweety, wasn't it? Lauren Brichter. Yeah. Yeah, and then he sold Tweety to Twitter, and then I think tw- Twitter patented it, um, but said it was, like, free for anybody to use. But, no, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, it, this wouldn't be the first time something like that had happened. And I don't know. I mean, there's two parts of, of it. There's the there's the kind of i don't know if i want to use the word philosophy but just just kind of the way that the problem is solved and then there's like the underlying efficiencies that are gained and so i could see apple taking one and not the other like if apple didn't necessarily like the structure or the the, the way you interact with the framework they but, but wanted to be able to do something asynchronously they might and i don't know maybe they would just do that certain things they apple could obviously do transparently like they could just do certain things on background thread instead of the foreground thread and we would never even have to know about it as developers we'd still use the same code and yet it could render on a bra- on the background first and then you know so i don't know if i don't know what pieces they would take but but like I say i think if if it works and it and it, it and I, i'm sure it does and it gives us the advantages that it does i can't imagine apple not incorporating some of these things or some equivalent thing because eventually if you have to use async display kit to get 60 frames per second on really, really interactive UIs, Apple can't afford not to try and catch up to that, right? Yeah, I think as well, the fact that this is coming from such a huge player as well, you know, this isn't just something that, uh, you know, you or I have knocked up in our office on our own. You know, this is coming from, you know, a huge company with a unthinkable user base, really, in terms of numbers, especially the mobile side. And something that they've felt, I mean, I've watched a lot of the sessions at F8 and things like that, where they've talked about async display kit and the problems that they had using standard UI kit when their app scaled and started being used by all these people and across all the different generations of devices and the kind of stuff that they were wanting to do on those devices that they just couldn't do using like the vanilla frameworks that Apple provide. So, I mean, that's a pretty big issue. That at some it point is. you need yeah. you know you need to recognize and and deal with, especially if you want these people you know there's a lot of benefits for Apple having Facebook as a sort of native developer, so you would think that they would want to um, keep them on that platform as you know as long as possible. If Facebook are having to put an awful lot of manpower into developing frameworks like this just to get their app into a state a usable state where they feel comfortable, then, you know, that definitely should be setting off some alarms at Apple, I would think. But I think this is probably a good point to get Rene in and maybe sort of 
tear apart our analysis of what I think this bike it actually is. Um, and I'm hoping as well that we've obviously focused in our little chat here on some of the positives, but I'd like to understand if there are any negatives or you know cons to using I think this bike kit over the vanilla UI kit stuff. So I'm hoping Rene can answer that as well. Welcome, Rene. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me on the show. No, it's great. We're uh, we're really happy that you you finally found the time to be able to come in and talk to us about I think this play kit because as I said earlier, I know we tried last season, but unfortunately we couldn't get you on. So I've I've had this in the diary for a long time. Yeah, really excited to be here. Um, really enjoying the conversation you guys are having so far, and I think are asking all the questions that all of us ask when we start thinking about incorporating async display kit into our projects. Okay, so just before we get into the details of async display kit, could you just tell us a bit about who you are and how you first got into iOS development as a whole? Yep. Um, so I was a uh, Java server engineer before I did anything iOS specific. And I just remember watching one of the keynotes, I think it was iOS 3.0 uh, with Scott Forstall. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is really cool. They're putting a lot of this interesting, they're you know, opening up this platform to allow you to build mobile applications and just thought it was, you know, a very promising thing. And, you know, just started kind of looking into iOS. And, you know, I think what the light bulb that went off for me was when I built my first app and just was able to pull it out of my pocket and show somebody that was just really cool coming from the server world where everything is just bytes, you know, flying, flying around the cloud. Um, this was just kind of a, a wow moment for me. Fantastic. So you're somewhat of an authority when it comes to a sync display kit. As I mentioned, um, you've written a couple of tutorials now for the site. One came out just this Monday. Uh, you presented a session at RWDevCon, which I think was voted one of the best sessions at the conference. And you've actually contributed directly to the project as well. I was going through the GitHub um, repo the other day. So how, how did you sort of first get involved with a sync display kit? What first attracted you to it? Well, um, when I started doing iOS professionally, what attracted me most was kind of building amazing um, interfaces and UI and UI kit and how to like leverage uh, UI kit to its maximum potential. So this kind of library, when it came out, just completely naturally fit with the things that I was interested in. At the time, I was doing a lot of uh, investigation into how to use core graphics and core animation and kind of go one layer deeper than UI kit. And so uh, this kind of fit really well with the knowledge that I was uh, acquiring by doing that research. Okay, great. I mean, that makes that makes good sense. To kick us off then with uh, a sync display kit, I tried and perhaps failed miserably in the intro to explain at a high level what a sync display kit is, but I'm going to pass the baton to you now and let you explain exactly what it is and the problem that it's trying to solve. No, I mean, you did a great job. I mean, it was it was exactly what, what, what it does is, um, you know, it does two things basically. Um, the first thing that it does is it does all the drawing that Core Graphics does. It does it on the background, which as you can imagine for very complicated UIs, it's, it's a lot of CPU work to be done on the main thread. Um, so that's the first thing it does is it you know draws everything off, off the main thread. The second thing it does is allows you to um, configure a lot of the properties that you would normally configure on UI view uh, in the background. So, for example, uh, when laying, laying out a view hierarchy, uh, you're setting frames on, on views uh, with async display kit, you can calculate all your layouts off the main thread 
uh, and set your frames at that point in time so that um, when you're done and ready to go uh, back on the main thread, you just query for those frames and it's a super fast layout pass on the main thread. So those are the main things that it does. Kind of going a little bit higher level, you know, it just it just makes for very responsive applications. Like you said, you know, it's all about not blocking the main thread. And as iOS engineers, that's the first thing we learn, right? When we're in a team, you know, the first thing that we're told is, you know, don't block the main thread. And, uh, you know, that's all good and everything. But I think it's it's important to realize that, you know, not just us, but UIKit also does a lot of stuff on the main thread um, at the end of the run loop that we may not realize um, is blocking the main thread. I guess let's talk a little more specific about the framework itself. What are some of the major classes? Like, what does it feel like to interact with Async Display Kit as opposed to UI Kit? Well, one of the great things about Async Display Kit is that it's a direct abstraction over UI Kit. So it actually feels very uh, comfortable and, and familiar uh, when you first kind of learn it. Um, the main class is AS uh, Display Node, which is the equivalent to UI View. Um, and it has most of the, the properties that you would expect, like um, frame. Um, you know, you can do things like set display, set uh, set needs display, and you know anything that you do with a UI view, you basically can do with a the display node. So um, most of the framework is around that one class. You do have other things like uh, AS table view and AS collection view, which are kind of helpers uh, to help you do things with table views and collection views. But most of the, most of the library is all uh, all about AS display node. Is do so is a AS Display Node a replacement for UI View, or do you have to associate it with any? Like, how does the how does something that we're running in a background thread that is an abstraction then get? How does it get onto screen? Because I still assume it still sort of channels through UI View or CA layering at some level. Yep, a good way of thinking about AS Display Node is it's a placeholder for a view. You can think about it like um, you can build a hierarchy of nodes, which are basically representations of what will turn into a hierarchy of views. So um, one of the reasons why the framework fits so nicely with UIKit is at the end of the day, once it's done doing its job, you end up with a UI view hierarchy just like you would normally. And you can interact with that view hierarchy just like you would normally. When you create a node, it has a view property, which is the UI view that it generates uh, for you. But once it generates that UI view, uh, you're free to use the, the, the view itself. So it's, it fits very naturally. It's more about like, how do you get a view hierarchy on screen? And it does a bunch of stuff in the background beforehand so that you're not blocking the main thread. And once that's done, it basically creates a bunch of views and view hierarchies just like it would normally. The only difference is, when it does that, everything is ready to go, right? Everything is drawn, everything is laid out. Uh, it's just a matter of setting properties instead of doing calculations. Okay, I mean, so one thing that I'm still struggling a little bit with is UI view and all its descendants are not thread safe. They all have to be set up and modified only on the main thread. How is async display kit able to set up these view hierarchies and manipulate them on a background thread when UI kit can't? So what um, what AS Display Node does is before it creates its UI view, uh, anytime you set any UI view like properties like frame or you know, background color or whatever, it actually does since it doesn't have a UI view to set that on, it it kind of stores it in a cache off to the side, and so that you know it controls the, uh, that storage and makes sure that that storage is thread safe. But once it generates the view, it sets all those properties on that view. 
the one gotcha with async display kit for now is that it's thread safe until the view is generated. So once your node creates its view, then the node also becomes main thread only. Uh, and the reason for that is because uh, after the view is generated, uh, instead of having a little cache of properties on the side, it redirects your calls to like set frame and stuff like that straight to the underlying view, and that has to be main thread. So um, it's more of a win uh, up front, and then once it generates everything, at that point you're kind of back on the main thread. Okay, so I think I think I might have got my head around this now. What you're saying the win is the stuff that you're going to put into the properties on UI view that needs to be initialized or the layout needs to be calculated or like Jake mentioned before, calculating the size of text and things. It's actually that that's done on the, on the background thread and then all that's cached. And then when it, when it then leaps over to the main thread, none of that work is having to be done. So it's simply just a case of taking an existing value and setting it on that property, which will be probably incredibly efficient. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> um, so at that point, once the view does become part of the main thread, if you're changing text a lot or if you're doing other animations, if, if that content becomes very dynamic, is the utility of, of Async Display Kit at that point uh, reduced or is there still a lot of win there? Um, there's still a lot of win in terms of like drawing in the background um, because uh, even if you're a main thread uh, only once the view is created. Um, when you set it needs display on that node slash view, at the end of the run loop, core animation is going to call display on the layer that async display uh, kit has built. And that layer always draws on the background thread. So your main thread only on the properties, but you still gain gotcha. efficiencies on the drawing. The drawing is still background thread. Okay, okay, that makes, that makes sense. sense. That, makes, that makes, sense. makes sense. If if I wanted to adopt Async Display Kit in one of my apps, would I need to convert uh, my like if, the, if I had an existing app, would I need to convert all of my existing UI to Async Display Kit, or could I just say just like a table view here or something like that? Yeah, that's a great thing. You can uh, any any little view hierarchy that you want to do, you can convert over to, to Async Display Kit, and you don't have to do the whole thing. You know, because it it basically turns into a view hierarchy, so it fits in like a puzzle piece wherever you want it to. So you're free to kind of try it out here and there. And, and that's actually, a, 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 I suggest that because not all views are going to need this. And so it's, it's, it's good to isolate the things that are, that are uh, ca causing main thread stalls and maybe taking those little view hierarchies and, and uh, turning them over to, to, to nodes. So how do you actually supply a node with the content that you want to display? So out of the box, you get a bunch of nodes. Um, that you can use that are that have UI view equivalents like uh, AS text node, AS image node. So for those, you, you just basically set the properties like you would normally, like a UI image view. But on top of that, you can uh, create your own subclass of AS display node and do what you would normally do with UI view, which would be implement drawrect. And um, it's really nice because pretty much the way it works is uh, async display kit will. Uh, create the context for you, and you basically just do drawing commands. You just use core graphics to draw, and just by uh, following along with the subclassing uh, instructions, you, you'll get background drawing automatically by using Async Display Kit. So you just basically need to know uh, core graphics and how to draw in a context, and uh, you're off, off and running. Fantastic. Now, I understand as well that we, obviously we've talked about Async Display Kit working with UI View. But I believe it can also work directly with CA layer. So can you talk about what some of the advantages are with this approach, as well as perhaps some of the pitfalls? 
Yeah. Um, so one thing about UIView is it's a lot heavier than CA layer, and that's because it has to handle all the touch events. It's, it's does all the well event handling, right? It's part of the responder chain, and most of the time, uh, your UI isn't so interactive. Sometimes a lot if it's very content based, like if you were to be building a magazine or something, you could imagine that a lot of that image, those images in, in text, uh, aren't interactive, and so. The advantage of using CA layer instead of UI view is you, uh, you, you're using a much lighter weight object, um, and so therefore you're being much more efficient. Specifically with ASIC Display Kit, though, what's really cool is um, you can, when you create a node, you can tell it whether you want it to create a UI view, like we've been talking about, or you can tell it, don't, bo- don't bother creating the view, just use a layer, because all I care about is display. I don't care about handling events, so I want to be really efficient. And so basically, it allows you to use a lighter weight representation. And then on top of that, what's really cool, one of my favorite features of Async Display Kit is um, if you have a node hierarchy of layers, you can tell Async Display Kit to essentially rasterize that hierarchy into one kind of like texture, if you want to think about it that way, so that when it communicates with Backboard D and it's handing off the contents of the layer, you're just basically using one CA layer at that point. And so the uh, handoff between your app's process and the um, Backboard D engine is much, much, much more efficient. So is that a case where you'd want to use content that didn't change very often? Exactly, yes, yeah. Because the thing is, as soon as you rasterize, you know, you're not going to be able to change the layout or anything like that because it's rasterized. It's it's a bitmap at that point. Uh, So that's right. So you mentioned touch handling a minute ago. How does touch handling work with Async Display Kit? Is it is it different than what we are used to in UI View? Not not really. Um, there's a class called AS Control Node, which is very similar to UI Control, and it uses the same uh, target action uh, paradigm. So you can basically uh, add target action, and then uh, the enumerations that you say for like touch up inside or anything like that, with the, they basically map them one for one. So if you're familiar with UI control, um, AS uh, you know control node is going to be very very familiar. But out of the box, uh, AS image node and AS text um, node, I believe, are subclasses of AS control node. So you get that automatically. So let's say you have an image that you want it to be a button. Uh, you just use AS image node and make sure you uh, add target action uh, to that, and you'll get you know the behavior that you're that you know and love. Can I add like a gesture recognizer to just an AS display node, or is that the same? So for gesture recognizers, um, I believe you can grab the view from the node and add a recognizer to that. And that's kind okay. of that's kind of where the pitfall is with using layer uh, back nodes is that you can't grab the layer and, and add a gesture recognizer to it. So that's kind of where de- that's where you would it would help you decide whether or not you want a layer backed node or a view back node. Is there a one for one mapping for every? Uh, UI kit control. It sounds like there's not. No, there's not. It's pretty close though. Um, so you've got you know your image view com- uh, equivalent, which is a uh, image node. You've got your the one that's kind of different is there's no label versus text view. You just have a text node, but you do have a, a, a table view and you do have a collection view. So you you have a lot of the things that you would that you would need, but it's not it's not a one for one map. What if I wanted to do something like a UI slider? How, where, where would that fit into the... Can you remind me again what that component is? 
Uh, it's just, it has a track and it has a little round slider and you drag it up and down and it, um, I mean, it doesn't come out of the box. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you could build your own and subclass AS control node and do the drawing and kind of figure out and kind of rewrite it. Um, the other thing you can do though, that's really neat with async display kit is that you can wrap, uh, any existing UI view, um, around a node. And the only reason you would do this is just because, um, maybe you're working with a node hierarchy you just want consistency in how you're managing the objects that you're working with. Um, you're, you're not, you don't get any background drawing performance or anything like that, but you do get the ability to just work with nodes if you want. Um, so that's a cool little feature that, that you can use. So we're talking a lot about controls and views and sort of the main way that we as developers interact with those, especially at design time, is with Interface Builder. So. I'm wondering if a sync display kit is interface builder friendly or do you have to sort of interact with it exclusively in code? Um, it's, de it's definitely interface builder not friendly. Um, uh, it's, it's totally intended to be used uh, through code. And so uh, I think there are a couple of people, I've been looking at the GitHub uh, repo and, and you know, I follow the issues that come in and there are a couple of people that have tried and um, I don't remember the details about that, but... I just remember Scott getting on there and, bas and basically saying, well, all the big players don't really use uh, Interface Builder to build apps, so why would you want to do that? Um, so that's kind of the answer to that. But um, yeah, it's all code-based, essentially. Okay, so I guess sort of one way, or one reason why I'm, you might want to use Interface Builder is for auto layout support, because auto layout in code is hideous compared to sort of setting up your constraints in interface builder. Does a sync display kit work with auto layout or is that is it all sort of frame so we have to calculate our own frames based like we used to do in the in the good old days before auto layout? That's right. That's probably the biggest uh hurdle right now is that you you can't use auto layout with a node hierarchy. All the layout calculations is like you said, the good old uh calculate frames uh manually with math and and set the, the position and size. So that's kind of a big drawback. I mean, a lot of, a lot of engineers really want to uh, support all the different screen sizes, and, you know, Apple's main, um, you know, tool for that is auto layout, and not being able to use that is, is kind of, you know, handicaps you a little bit. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is that, and I'm sure we'll touch on this towards the end of, of the show, but in the next version, the next major version of Async Display Kit, we're going to get basically a simple version of Flex, Flexbox support, which uh, will help uh, with greatly. It's kind of like uh, UI stack view. If you can think of it, the new, the new class, it's kind of adding that kind of support um, to uh, Async Display Kit. So I'm really excited about that new feature because I think that's going to uh, kind of answer the question of, you know, you can't use auto layout, but at least there's something else that you can use for uh, dynamic sizing of UIs. Okay, I mean, that sounds great. I'm a big UI stack Stack View fan, and anybody that's listening that's not seen yet on the site, we've actually just started a, a new video series on UI Stack View with Sam Davis, who's a new Raiseware team member, so you should definitely be checking that, those out. Um, and we will, as Rene touched on, then talk more about version 2 at the end of the episode. But one thing that's sort of been playing on my mind since we started talking about this node abstraction layer uh, Rene, is how does that fit in with MVC, which is obviously the the most popular design pattern amongst iOS developers? 
I think about, about it is it's all in the in the V in the view. The, the nice thing, the thing I, I really like about it is that at the end of the day, you're still creating views, you're still creating layers. It's not trying to redo UIKit and replace it. It's it's working with UIKit and working with the you know delegates and data sources and working within its design and making it better. You know, it's it's a very natural fit with everything. So, you know, it's all in the view, essentially, is kind of the way the way I look at it. You know, it's view hierarchies represented as node hierarchies. If if I'm interested in async display kit, I'm kind of it seems like it's creating a slightly separate, a slightly defined, like alternative world of developing iOS apps. I say that because I my experience, which is not on big projects. I mean, I've I've worked on lots of different apps, but they have all been, you know, in the context of teams of one to four people. I, but I've never worked on an app that didn't use Interface Builder, for example. I have, obviously, Apple with auto layouts becoming increasingly important with, you know, some of the new iPad stuff that we have available in iOS 9. So it feels slightly like you, you kind of have to kind of commit to like one paradigm or this slightly alternative paradigm. Is that, how, how do you feel about that? Is, is that just my perception having not used it? Um, and, and how do you feel about that if you think, if you agree with me? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the great things about Interface Builder is that it definitely speeds up development with, with auto layout and being able to preview your UI on all the different devices right then and there in Interface Builder without having to build and run is is a huge thing. And, you know, Apple's investing a ton in Interface Builder. I mean, we've got IB Designable and IB Inspectable and there's, you know, you can get pretty fancy with Interface Builder and really speed up your development process. So I, I definitely think that um, it's a trade-off, essentially. I think most UIs are performant enough that you can do Interface Builder, and I think it's a matter of really, fit, you know, uh, identifying which of which pieces of your app would benefit so much from Async Display Kit that you're willing to give up the efficiencies in, in development that Interface Builder gets you. Uh, and I think if you're building a very uh, content-rich type of application. Uh, the user experience that's going to come out of that with uh, Async Display Kit is is well worth it, uh, in my opinion. But it's definitely something that um, I wouldn't, for example, just say, "Oh, just use Async Display Kit for everything." Um, I would say, you know, try to identify where the bottlenecks are and what what are you trying to do and where would you really benefit from Async Display Kit and maybe isolate those things just to kind of have a more holistic approach to it. That really segues okay. nicely into a, a question that I, w- I was open to ask you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butt in, sorry, Jake, and ask you now. So if I've got an existing iOS app, how would I go about identifying if my app suffers from the issues that a sync display kit solves? So I think, you know, the age-old problem of, of, of stuttering and scrolling is probably your number one thing to look out for if you have a scroll view, a table view, collection view. And um, as you're scrolling it, it's stuttering. It's not you're not getting 60 frames per second. You know, a lot of times these days, the design requirements for those cells can get pretty crazy. That's the first thing I'd say. You know, if if you're if you have scrolling components in your app and they're they're stuttering, um, especially on older devices like uh, you know 4s or you know original iPad, that's really where Async Display Kit shines is on older hardware. You know, it works great on the new stuff too, but you know, it's just, it's more about ensuring the same experience no matter what hardware you have. And I think that's kind of the the real benefit from it. And so you do that and then, you know, you can go into instruments as well and kind of do some time profiling and seeing if your 
you know, you're spending a lot of time uh, in core animation methods, right? Um, you know, core animation has a bunch of things it does at the end of the run loop, like uh, layout and display. In my first uh, tutorial that I wrote, I reference a really great dub dub video that goes through that in massive detail. Um, I would highly re recommend looking at that dub dub video because um, they explain exactly how you would go into uh, instruments and kind of determine like where you know are you GPU bound, are you CPU bound, and kind of how do I how do you identify the problems? But um, what it boils down to, if you're CPU bound and you're doing a lot of work on the end of at the end of the run loop, async display kit will work wonders for you. Okay, so if I if I notice that I have got problems, you know, and we'll we'll take your stuttering analogy because it's a good one and it's a visual one. Would moving to a sync display kit help me understand why I have those issues, or is it kind of just plastering over the problem because it gives me all these efficiency wins that might not be the sort of main cause of the problem anyway, but because I've you know, like it's just masking over the problem or would, because it's all sort of in and, and it means that you have to have a really good understanding of your view hierarchy and what's going on to be able to use a sync display kit. Would it actually aid in learning about those problems? I'm not sure if it would aid. Um, I wonder the same thing. And I actually struggle with that same question when I, when I talk to people about async display kit in terms that um, it's really easy to use it as a, oh, my app isn't performing well, so I'm just going to do this because it just moves it off the main thread and, and we're good, where, you know, you could spend some valuable time, um, you know, tuning stuff because, you know, there's, you can tune stuff very, very well with UIK. There's, you know, there's things that you can change to make things a lot more performant, but at some point you hit constraints, right? At some point it's hardware constraints. Uh, or maybe the problem, you know, just the problem itself, you're doing too much computation, or there's too many views, or too many layout passes. Um, at some point, you're constrained by the hardware, and that's kind of where async display kit comes in. Um, so I would highly recommend fine-tuning your app to the point as far as you can. And if once you've exhausted all those options, and you've gone in instruments, and, you know, you did all, you did all the, all the uh, you know, known performance ben uh, you know, improvements, you're still not getting what you want, especially on older hardware. You know that's that's kind of the best time to jump into async display kit. But you're right; like it's it's very tempting to say, "Oh, I have a stuttering UI, so I'm just going to use this because this will solve my problem." On the other end, though, you know sometimes we don't have a ton of time to solve these problems because it does take a while to figure out what the problem is and to dig down deep. So I think it also becomes a business decision of how much you know time are you willing to put into it. And maybe async display kit is a good a good way to make your experience better um, without having to you know uh, spend a ton of time trying to really fine tune your UIs. So we mentioned uh, at the top of the show, and we've mentioned a couple times the tutorials that you've written on async display kit. Um, what are the best places to learn uh, more about async display kit? Um, I mean, definitely the tutorials, um, and then uh, the one that I just released on Monday is a really good start. Uh, on how you kind of encapsulate, you know, node hierarchies in a subclass of AS Display Node, it's kind of a similar thing as, you know, subclassing UI view and then building your view hierarchy in there. Uh, so that's a good place to start. Also, you know, the the Async Display Kit website has a getting started section that's pretty good. Kind of walks you through everything. Um, so those are the the main ones. Um, I know that there are definitely uh, some recordings of Scott giving presentations on this, and those are also really good. 
Um, so those are some some of the good good things. But the the best best approach really is just to go in and take a very simple UI and just build build something out and kind of get your hands uh, you know on 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 the library and kind of get get going with it. I guess. I, I think anybody should definitely anybody interested should definitely check out your first tutorial because it gives a really good example of a really badly sort of architected UI that causes lots of frame drops and then walks you through adding in a sync display kit and migrating to a sync display kit and then shows you the benefits at each stage. So I think that, that you know, that's really well written and would really help people understand sort of the, the problems that are being caused by doing all this stuff on the main thread. And then at each sort of level of integration with the display kit, the kind of benefits and the wins that you get. So definitely recommend that one. Yeah, and the, um, the interesting about that one, though, is that um, so when I was writing it, uh, Async Display Kit was in beta. So one of the interesting things about that uh, tutorial is that I didn't have as much of the fancy stuff that we have today in Async Display Kit that maybe masks away uh, how some things work. Definitely, I would check that one out because that one maybe gives you a little more in-depth insight into how things work. Uh, whereas if I were to write that same one today, a lot of that stuff would go away because the, the framework handles a lot of that for you automatically. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, and just before we wrap things up, you sort of touched on it before and I did say we'd come back to it at the end of the show. Um, version 2.0 is on the horizon. Can you give us a little bit more insight into what you know what's what's coming with that release? Yeah, the, the big, big uh, part of 2.0 beta is going to be the Flexbox support. It's basically um, porting over the uh, layout engine from Component Kit and bringing it into Async Display Kit. It's been in the works for several weeks already, just kind of following the GitHub repo. Uh, uh, if you go in there, you'll, you'll, you'll see kind of what's, what's happening already. Um, and it's really interesting. Uh, I think this is going to solve the well, we don't have auto layout problem, and I I need to support multiple device uh, screen sizes, and you know you're you're basically forcing me to do a bunch of uh, manual calculations that I don't necessarily want to do. So that's that's the big thing with 2.0 is is that uh, there's there's big improvements in other areas like the 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 collection view and table view machinery um, under the hood is pretty complex, um, and so there's a lot of enhancements and improvements to those. Um, but definitely the, the focus there is on, on layout. Fantastic. Um, sounds really good. And really enjoyed chatting with you about I think this play kit, Renee. It was fantastic to finally get you on because, uh, like I say, we've had this show in the diary for some time now. Yeah, likewise. I mean, uh, I, I love talking about the stuff, so it's, it's been a blast. Fantastic. Um, as always, guys, if you've got any feedback, then it's podcast at com. We love to hear it. And we sort of, the next episode is episode eight. So we're getting towards the end of this current season. So if you'd like to hear any changes or maybe suggest some topics that you think we should cover, then do get in touch. And of course, the more positive iTunes reviews we get, the better. So keep on leaving those. We've noticed that you've, you've been really leaving some quality ones and we do appreciate that. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Thanks again. And we'll catch you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWendelk.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time.